The rest of you can turn to Luke chapter 2. That's Luke chapter 2. For those of you who don't know, my name is Jonathan Romig. I'm the associate pastor here at Emmanuel. Our senior pastor, Dana, is gone for the week, but he'll be back next week, so I invite you to come back and hear him speak. Uh, welcome. This is a time of worship. First, we worship through music and, and song, and, and now we're going to worship through Scripture, through hearing the Word preached. Uh, so please join me in prayer, and then we'll begin. Father God, thank you for your Word. And that we get to worship you through it. Thank you that I get to worship you through giving this word. And that they, uh, this church, your, your body gets to worship you through receiving it. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be very evident in this time. That we would learn from you. And that we would hear your, ver your voice first. In Christ's name, amen. For my last year of high school, I commuted to a community college. I went to a community, community college down the valley, and I would wake up about three times a week to go down. And I'd wake up at around 7 a.m. We'd stumble downstairs, my brother and I, and my dad would fix us breakfast uh, because we had to get out the door pretty quick to, to make the hour drive to school. My dad would fix us eggs and maybe uh, oatmeal or toast, and then he would do something for us before he sent us on our way. He would pray for us, and then he would remind us to be a blessing to those we came in contact with throughout the day. He would tell us to go out and, and be a blessing, to bless people around us. Now, I can't say that I understood exactly what he meant uh, by being a blessing. If I were to define blessing today, I would say it is God showing his favor to his people. Uh, but back then, I wasn't as sure. Uh, I probably would have said, well, my dad wants me to be nice to people today. And that is certainly part of what it means to be a blessing. But it's more than just that. Being a blessing is more than just uh, letting fellow Bostonians cut you in traffic. It's more than letting them cut in line at Dunkin' Donuts. It's more than, than opening doors for uh, strangers or teachers or classmates. It's more than being kind to Broncos fans when the Patriots beat them. Being a blessing is much more than this. Being a blessing is sharing how God has blessed you and me. And it's specifically sharing how God has blessed us with his favor, with his ultimate favor, with his ultimate blessing. And that is the salvation and peace of Jesus Christ. That's what the, 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 it means to share this blessing, to be a blessing. The peace and the salvation of Jesus is God's blessing for us. That's what this passage is all about today in Luke chapter 2. It takes place 40 days after Jesus was born. It's a man, it starts with a man named Simeon who experiences this blessing of God. He experiences the peace and salvation of Christ Jesus. Mary and Joseph have brought the baby to the temple to consecrate him, to, to uh, uh, 
it was Jewish tradition back then to bring your firstborn to the temple, and they do that. And Simeon is led by the Holy Spirit, and he meets him them there too. And he is about to be blessed by God, and he is about to bless God. So let's read about this blessing in Luke 2, verses 27 through 32. You've already heard it, but let's read it again. And he, Simeon, came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him was that what, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So what does Simeon's blessing teach us about the blessing of God? Well, we bless a God who first blessed us. Blessed us. We bless a God who first blessed us. And we bless God by praising him for his blessings. Verses 27 and 28 describe this. Joseph and Mary have brought Jesus into the temple courtyard. God has orchestrated this meeting because at the same time, Simeon is coming, this elderly man. He is coming to the temple, and they meet there together. And Simeon comes up to them, and he takes Jesus, he takes their child in his arms, and he blesses him. He takes God in his arms. I don't know if many of us can say that we have held God, but Simeon can say, because he held baby Jesus, God in the flesh, God incarnate. He held him in his arms, and he blessed him. The word here for bless in the original language is the word eulogia, which means to bless, to praise. Eulogia. Now, if you listen to that word, you might recognize that it sounds like our modern word for eulogy. And when you think of a eulogy, you think of a funeral. Well, this is kind of odd that here, when, when uh, Simeon receives the Christ child, he blesses God, and at the same time, he is blessing Jesus. And in one sense, he's eulogizing Jesus. A funeral, a eulogy, is when you come together and you remember someone's accomplishments. And you say all the great things that they have done with their lives. What has this baby done? This baby hasn't accomplished anything. But Simeon is saying, this baby has come to accomplish great things. He is blessing him. He is saying, this baby has come to die. This baby has come to die on our behalf for our sins. And this is going to be the ultimate blessing. This is going to be the ultimate gift to us, to each one of us who put our faith in Christ Jesus. And so what does Simeon do? He praises God. He praises God for what this Christ child has come to do. And we do the same thing. We bless God by praising him for his blessings. But why should we bless God? Why should we praise God? Why do this at all? What has God done that is so worthy through this Christ child? Well, we bless a God who first blessed us. We bless a God who first blessed us. Now, the Septuagint, maybe you've heard of that word. 
It is the, uh, the Old Testament translated into Greek. You have, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. And about 300 years prior to Christ, it was translated into Greek. And we call that the Septuagint. Now, if you look in the Septuagint, uh, you can look at places where uh, the vocabulary and the Septuagint overlaps with the New Testament. And we see that this, this word for eulogia, uh, blessing, is also used in Genesis chapter 12 in the Greek translation. And we read it this morning. Now, Genesis 12 describes God's blessing to a man named Abram. His blessing to a man named Abram. He comes to him and says, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. But he also says something more than that. He says that I, I will make you so that you are a blessing to the whole world, to all the nations. Genesis 12, 2 through 3 says, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That last line is so important. In you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And God brings this to fulfillment in Abram. He, he makes them the father of great nations. He, he, he renames him Abraham. He gives him Isaac and Jacob. And through Abraham's descendants, we receive this blessing of salvation. We receive the promised Messiah, the promised Savior of Israel. See, God promised a long time ago that he would bless not just Abram and his race and his people, the Jews, not just Israel, but the whole world through him. God planned to bless us a long time ago, and we reap the benefits today. This is why we praise God, because he made plans to bless us before we even knew of him. Now, Christmas is a super exciting time of year for little kids. Many of you have children, and, and you, you realize this. I was thinking back to my childhood uh, and some of the Christmas gifts that I got that were super exciting for me. One year, my mom and dad made me an apron and a toy bow and arrow. Now, I was a little bit more excited about the bow and arrow than the apron, but I'm sure I wore the apron as I shot my arrows. And we set up a target, uh, they made it, and we had a great time. Another Christmas year, I got a little uh, dump truck, a yellow, little yellow and black dump truck, and I raced around the house playing with my dump truck. And I would thank my parents over and over and over again for my presence. It was like I had never received a gift in my entire life. I'd say, thank you, thank you, thank you, this is so great. They probably got tired of hearing it. But God never gets tired of hearing our thankfulness for how he has blessed us. And he, he has blessed us and he wants us to take joy in his blessing to us through Christ Jesus. That's why we come every week so that we can praise God over and over again for what he has done. We, we praise God individually on our own during the week and we praise God together as a church body. 
And this brings God joy. He enjoys our happiness in him. Now, how specifically is Jesus? What has Jesus done that has brought God's blessing? How does Simeon specifically experience the blessing of God through this baby boy, through Christ Jesus? Well, God's blessing is the peace and the salvation of Jesus. First, God's uh, blessing is the peace of Jesus. 2.29 says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Now, Simeon is an old man approaching death. He has uh, been received a promise from God that he will uh, see the Messiah. He will see the, the comforter. He will see the, the consolation of Israel. He will see the, the Messiah, the Redeemer, before he dies, and then he will pass away. And I don't know if you noticed it when we read the Scripture before when Mike sang about the song, but he's pretty much saying, Lord, now I can die. Now I can die in peace because I have seen the Messiah. That's kind of strange. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of death, I get a little nervous. And I think even if we're Christians and have our, put our faith in Christ, sometimes uh, just the idea of death, of passing away, of, of being buried, it makes us nervous and anxious. No matter how old or, or young you are, but notice that when Simeon holds Jesus, death does not scare him. Death, death does not bring him anxiety. He has peace. He says, I can die. I can go away. I can rest in peace because I have met the Messiah. I have met the Christ child. I don't know about you, but I want this same kind of peace. When I have finished whatever the Lord calls me to in this life, whether tomorrow or 25 years from now or a long time after that, I want to be able to finish life well. I want to be able to depart in peace, just like Simeon. And that's kind of a weird Christmas season message, but it's in the text. And God offers us this peace through Christ Jesus. He says, you can die in peace. Because you die in me, and I live. Second, God's blessing is the salvation of Jesus. So first, it's the peace of Jesus. Second, God's blessing is the salvation of Jesus. 2 verse 30 says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. I don't know if, you like, if you've noticed, but Christians like to talk about getting saved. We like to talk about salvation. And this whole idea of getting saved when you're a Christian is kind of an abstract concept. It's not like a, a podium where you can look at it and feel it. Uh, it's more of an idea. It's almost a cloud. It's a concept. But notice that Simeon doesn't have our problem because he can see salvation. He looks at Jesus and says, he is salvation. This is because salvation is not a what. It is a who. Salvation is not a concept. It is a person. It is the person of Christ Jesus. Jesus is salvation. 
Jesus is my Savior. He's yours if you put your faith in him. What a wonderful blessing this is. The salvation Jesus offers is his real life for your real life. You can think of your life and think of all the the misdeeds you have done from when you were a small child lying to your parents, through your adolescence when you were rebelling, to your adulthood when you you lie or or steal or, or do misdeeds in your job. Jesus had a perfect childhood. Not that he was raised in a palace, but he never disobeyed God. He never sinned once. He wasn't rebellious against his father, against his parents. He showed them love and respect. And he lived out his adulthood perfectly, never sinning once. And that is a trade that we receive when we put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we get Jesus' life And he gets ours. And when God looks upon us, he sees the perfect life of Christ Jesus. Salvation is real. It is a real person. It is Jesus Christ. But for now, we don't get to see Jesus. We can pray and uh, and focus on the Lord through the Holy Spirit, but we don't get to behold him with our eyes like Simeon. But one day that will happen. We will all see Jesus. Christ Jesus, whether you believe in him or not. And for some, that will be a glorious day of peace and salvation. May that be you. The peace and salvation of Jesus is God's blessing. Now, some of you know that I'm a fan of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. I've talked about him a couple times. Uh, I'll talk about him in a different way here for a moment. Now, for those of you who don't know, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor during World War II in Germany. He was a German. Uh, But he did not sit passively by as Hitler uh, tried to further his regime. Instead, he joined a, a plot to try and assassinate Hitler. It's pretty bold for any pastor. And Hitler discovered the plot and condemned Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer to death. He condemned him to execution. And there was a doctor on the scene for Diedrich Bonhoeffer's execution. And he did not know this man, who he was, but he remembered the way he died. Let me read for you the description of Diedrich's death. He described it this way. Through the half-open door in one room of the huts, I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer before taking off his prison garb, kneeling on the floor, praying fervently to his God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout and so certain that God heard his prayer. At the place of execution, he again said a short prayer, and then climbed the steps to the gallows, brave and composed. His death ensued after a few seconds. In the almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Let me read that last line. In the, in the almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. 
There is only one way any man or woman, boy or girl, can know the peace of God, can go to their grave this way, and it is by knowing the peace and the salvation of Christ Jesus. Diedrich Bonhoeffer spent his life in love with the Lord, knowing the peace and salvation of Christ Jesus. He was all about Jesus. And he was able to face even death in peace, without anxiety, trusting in the Lord up till the final moments. And if you don't know this peace, if you don't know this salvation, if you were to say, I'm going to die tomorrow and I, I, don't, I don't feel at all a sense of peace about it, I invite you to consider what it means to know Christ Jesus. Because to know Jesus, the salvation of God, the person of Christ, is to know peace and to know salvation. And we're always growing in what it means to be at peace. But we can trust in the Lord and he will continue to grow us through our life. Now this is wonderful news for us. It's wonderful news for you. It's wonderful news for me. It's wonderful news yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The peace and salvation of Jesus is God's blessing for us. It's his blessing for us. Simeon says in verse 31 that God has prepared the salvation in the presence of all peoples. God has prepared this good news in, before everyone. It's not a secret message of salvation. What we believe as Christians is to be offered to everyone to hear. We're not a secret sect or society. We're not like Scientology or the Mormons or Masons where you have to get in the club to hear the news, to hear the message. No, we preach openly about this good news. It doesn't matter if you're, you're rich or poor. Christ Jesus, the message of him is for all. And God sent this message. God sent his son to all peoples, both Jew and Gentile, both Jew and Gentile for Israel, for the whole world this message has come. First, the peace and salvation of Jesus is God's blessing for the Gentiles. It's his blessing for the non-Jews. Now, the author of the gospel, Luke, is writing to a non-Jewish audience. He is writing to the non-Jewish audience known as the Gentiles. He says in verse 31 that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, the word Simeon uses here for Gentiles is the word ethnos. Now, ethnos sounds like our word for ethnicity. In other words, Simeon is saying this message is for all ethnicities. It is a light of revelation for all peoples. God has sent his son to vanquish the darkness for all peoples. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Gentile or, or Greek or Roman or Egyptian. It doesn't matter if you're uh, American, Hispanic, African, Italian, Chinese. It doesn't matter. God has sent his son as a message for all to hear. The peace and salvation of Jesus is God's blessing for all peoples, for all nations. If you think back to Christmas Eve, we can think of the lighting of the Christ candle and then how at the end of the service, 
we all took our candles, and, and one person, uh, two people, uh, Steve and Bill, lit their candles in the center of Christ's candle, and we took it throughout the congregation. And the room was dark, and everyone had their candles, and slowly lightness began to fill the room. Small lights among us. God has sent His Son as that light, as Christ Jesus, the Gospel, the good news about Him, and we are to take it to all peoples. It is to be that, that burning flame that spreads to the whole world that is available for everyone so that we can hold our flames, that we can hold the good news about Christ Jesus. And notice that the flame does have a burning aspect to it. When the, when the light chases away the darkness, especially if it's a candle, there's a burning aspect. It's my prayer for you that, that this, this light, that it convicts you, that it chases away the darkness in your heart, that it chases away the darkness in our church, in our lives, that it burns away, that it convicts us of our sin, that we turn to Christ Jesus in repentance. But it is good news, and it's good news for all. Second, the peace and salvation of Jesus is God's blessing for the Jews. Verse 32, again, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. See, up until this point, the nation of Israel has not been in the dark like everyone else. They have been God's people. They have been the people of God. He has been revealing His plan of salvation through them. Through them would come the Messiah. This is why we started in Genesis chapter 12 so that we can see that the father of the nations, Abram, Abraham, he was given a promise to bless all peoples and that blessing comes to fruition in Christ Jesus. This was prophesied again in Isaiah 42, verse 6. We read 6 and 7 where God said, I will give you, Israel, as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Israel was always meant to take this message of hope to all peoples, the blessing was not just for them, but for all. But the nation of Israel does receive honor and glory because Jesus comes through them. Because God has been working out His redemptive plan through those people. And so God says, this is a glory for you. You receive honor because Christ came through you. But now there is only one people of God and it's made up of both Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews. It is all the people of God. It is what we call today the church. It's all believers from all times, past, present, and future. The peace and salvation of Jesus is God's blessing for us. My dad used to tell us to be a blessing before we went to school, before we went out to college. And I don't know if you've noticed recently, but college is full of pagans, sinners, atheists, and addicts. College is full of that kind of uh, belief, of that kind of sin. And it would have been much safer if my dad had just kept us home. Just said, go be a blessing to each other and sit in your rooms. But we have to go out into the darkness if we want to reach them with the light. We have to go out there if this flame is going to spread. And it's certainly not risk-free to walk in the darkness. Even if you have the light of light, it's dangerous. 
There will be times that we will stumble and fall, but Christ picks us back up again. Christ gives us his light, the good news about Jesus, our salvation, Jesus Christ himself, so that we can keep going. We are to take the peace and salvation of Jesus to all. We are to take the good news of this blessing to everyone. Now, our passage doesn't include a command. It doesn't include an imperative. It doesn't say, now go do this. But notice how Simeon responds. When he receives the Christ child Jesus in his arms, he first praises God. He stops and says, thank you, Lord, for what you have done. And then he preaches about Jesus. He shares the good news about Jesus. He says, here is the Messiah. And this is what we're called to do as well. Before we go out into the world to share the good news about Jesus, we're to praise God. We're to say thank you for what you have done for us. We're to find joy in the ultimate blessing, the ultimate showing of favor to us. But then we're called to go out and to share this message. And we do this because we don't believe in a universal religion. Not everyone will believe. In fact, Scripture tells us that many will reject the good news about Jesus. But we're still called to share anyways. We're still called to preach the good news about Christ so that all can hear. The peace and salvation of Jesus is God's blessing for us. And we are to take this peace and salvation of Jesus to all. Now this may be the last sermon you'll hear this year. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you're excited to start a whole new year, a whole new sermon series on the book of Revelation starting next week. But before we begin 2014, there's something we need to remember for 2013. We need to remember the blessing of God. We need to measure this year's blessings. Don't just measure this year's blessings by all the cool toys you got. Don't measure this year's blessings by, uh, by the new relationships you formed or the pay raises you received. Measure this year's blessings by Christ Jesus and how he has blessed us with salvation and peace. First measure this year through him. Remember how God has blessed you. And this blessing didn't just come for me. It didn't just come for you. It came for us. It came for all peoples all over the world. May you go into next year remembering it. May it grow in your heart every single day. May you know the peace of God more next year than you knew it this year. May you know the salvation of God deeper and deeper day by day in 2014. And may you share this blessing with all. The peace and salvation of Jesus is God's blessing for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for how you have blessed us through Christ Jesus. Without Christ Jesus, all would be lost. But we have hope, we have peace, we have salvation in you so that we can approach even death, resting in what you have done for us.
for your own. In Jesus' name, amen. The word benediction is another way of saying blessing. So when I give the benediction, it's just another way of saying, may God bless you. And as you receive this final benediction for this year from this church, may you remember what Christ Jesus has done for you and how he has blessed you through his life, death, and resurrection. 1 Peter 1-2, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen.